Meanwhile, recorded live in the Lava Lamp Lounge, it's somewhere in between a radio zine. News, music, culture, stories, and more. This show is what we make of it, and hopefully you'll join us in the fun, too. Now let's get started. And welcome to an audio bowl of black-eyed peas and ham. It's issue 26. What are you going to do with 390 photographs of Christmas trees? In between a radio zine, we want to wish you a very happy new year! And wow, thank you, we are finally rid of that stupid, stupid... Twenty twenty one could not have come any quicker, and as we all sit here and try to interpret new meaning into the same old experience of having one odometer click over to the next, we try to also make sense of all of these conflicting ideas and recommendations, advice, all of this kind of stuff, as to how we should best approach the coming new year. And I think that in times like this, I find really the only advice worth considering at all comes from our good friend, Donovan. Do what you've never 
There's a pretty heavy year coming ahead for all of us, and there's a lot of work to do. All of us are going to be pretty tired by the end of 2021, and it's not going to really be much easier than the year we've just been through. But for a little while anyway, let's bask in the afterglow of Christmas and New Year's Eve, and let's just bring our minds to a time where we have this strange listlessness that's running through us and we're all looking for some way to to fill that time before we all have to go back to work and the holidays are officially over. And then we have to decide, uh, what are we going to do with the family Christmas tree? What are you going to do with 390 photographs of Christmas trees? By Richard Brodigan. I don't know, but it seemed the thing to do the first week in January 1964. I got two other people to join me. One of them wants to remain anonymous, and that's alright. I think we were still in shock over President Kennedy's assassination. Perhaps that had something to do with all those photographs of Christmas trees. The Christmas of 1963 looked terrible, illuminated by all the flags in America hanging at half-mast week after week in December in a tunnel of mourning. I was living by myself in a very strange apartment where I was taking care of an aviary for some people who were in Mexico. I fed the birds every day, and changed bird water and had a little vacuum cleaner to tidy up the aviary when it was needed. I eat dinner by myself on Christmas Day. I had some hot dogs and beans and drank a bottle of rum with Coca-Cola. It was a lonesome Christmas and President Kennedy's murder was almost like one of those birds that I had to feed every day. The only reason I am mentioning this is to kind of set the psychological frame for 390 photos of Christmas trees. A person does not get into this sort of thing without sufficient motivation. Late one evening, I was walking home from visiting some people on Knob Hill. We had sat around drinking cup after cup of coffee until our nerves had become lioness. I left around midnight and walked down a dark and silent street towards home. And I saw a Christmas tree abandoned next to a fire hydrant. The tree had been stripped of its decorations and lay there sadly like a dead soldier after losing a battle. A week before, it had been a kind of hero. 
Then I saw another Christmas tree with a car half parked on it. Somebody had left their tree in the street, and the car had accidentally run over it. The tree was certainly a long way from a child's loving attention. Some of the branches were sticking up through the bumper. It was that time of year when people in San Francisco get rid of their Christmas trees by placing them in the streets or vacant lots or wherever they can get rid of them. It is the journey away from Christmas. Those sad and abandoned Christmas trees really got on my conscience. They had provided what they could for the assassinated Christmas and now they were just being tossed out to lie there in the streets like bombs. I saw dozens of them as I walked home through the beginning of the new year. There are people who just chuck their Christmas trees right out the front door. A friend of mine tells a story about walking down the street on December 26th and having a Christmas tree go whistling right past his ear, and hearing a door slam. It could have killed him. There are others who go about abandoning their Christmas trees with stealth and skill. That evening, I almost saw someone put a Christmas tree out, but not quite. They were invisible like the Scarlet Pimpernel. I could almost hear the Christmas tree being put out. I went around the corner, and there in the middle of the street lay a tree. But nobody was around. There are always people who do a thing with greatness, no matter what it is. When I arrived home, I went to the telephone, and called up a friend of mine who is a photographer, and accessible to the strange energies of the 20th century. It was almost one o'clock in the morning. I had awakened him, and his voice was a refuge from sleep. Who is it? He said. Christmas trees, I said. What? Christmas trees. Is that you, Richard? He asked. Yeah. What about them? Christmas is only skin deep, I said. Why don't we take hundreds of pictures of Christmas trees that are abandoned in the streets? will show the despair and abandonment of Christmas by the way people throw their trees out. Might as well do that as anything else, he said. I'll start tomorrow during my lunch hour. I want you to photograph them just like dead soldiers, I said. Don't touch or pose them. Just photograph them the way they fell. The next day, he took photographs of Christmas trees during his lunch hour. 
He worked at Macy's then and went up the slopes of Knob Hill and Chinatown and took pictures of Christmas trees there. One, two, three, four, five, nine, eleven, 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 fourteen, seventeen, 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 twenty-one, twenty-eight, thirty-seven, fifty-two, sixty-six. I called him that evening. How did it go? Wonderful, he said. The next day he took more photographs of Christmas trees during his lunch hour. 72, 85, 117, 128, 137. I called him up that evening, too. How did it go? Couldn't be better, he said. I've almost got 150 of them. Keep up the good work, I said. I was busy lining up a car for the weekend so that we could have mobility to take more Christmas tree photographs. The person who drove us around the next day desires to remain anonymous. He is afraid that he would lose his job and face financial and social pressures if it got out that he worked with us that day. The next morning, we started out and we drove all over San Francisco taking photographs of abandoned Christmas trees. We faced the project with the zest of a trio of revolutionaries. 142, 159, 168, 175, 183. We would be driving along and spot a Christmas tree lying perhaps in the front yard of somebody's lovely house in Pacific Heights or beside a Italian grocery store in North Beach. We would suddenly stop and jump out and rush over to the Christmas tree and start taking pictures from every angle. The simple people of San Francisco probably thought that we were all completely deranged. Bizarre. We were traffic stoppers in the classic tradition. 199, 215, 227, 233, 245. We met the poet Lawrence Ferlinghetti out walking his dog on Petrero Hill. He saw us jump out of the car and immediately start taking pictures of a fallen Christmas tree lying on the sidewalk. 277 278 279 280 281 As he walked by, he said, Taking pictures of Christmas trees? Sort of. We said, and all thinking paranoically, does he know what we are doing? We wanted to keep it a big secret. We thought we really had something good going, and it needed the right amount of discretion before it was completed.
So the day passed, and our total Christmas tree photographs crept over the 300 mark. Don't you think we have enough now? Bob said. No, just a few more, I said. 317, 335, 356, 370. Now, Bob said. We had driven all the way across San Francisco again, and we're on Telegraph Hill climbing down a broken staircase to a vacant lot where somebody had tossed a Christmas tree over a cyclone fence. The tree had the same candor as St. Sebastian, arrows and all. No, just a few more, I said. Three hundred and eighty-six. Three hundred and eighty-seven. 388, 389, 390. We must have enough now, Bob said. I think so, I said. We were all very happy. That was the first week of 1964. It was a strange time in America. And that's going to do it for us this week here on the program. Somewhere in between a radio zine. What are you going to do with 390 photographs of Christmas trees? Issue 26 contained a visual tone poem in audio format by Richard Brodigan and read by Austin Rich. Rather than engage in the tradition of setting a resolution that you will forget about in a couple of weeks and then feel incredibly guilty about when you suddenly remember it in March, might we suggest a different approach this year? If you're tied to the traditions of resolutions, forgetfulness, and guilt, why not begin a recurring donation to your favorite radio program? Forget that you've done so, then feel guilty that you haven't done more when you suddenly remember in March. It's the perfect way to keep community radio on the air and keep a steady flow of money from your home to ours. This episode was produced by Austin Rich in the Lava Lamp Lounge and was assembled using only the finest in 20th century technology. In the long-standing tradition of most zines, there is an open submission policy here. If you have a story that you'd like to send in, read, or just want to be a part of the show, why not drop a line to austinrich at gmail.com. That's going to do it for us this week. You guys are wonderful. You guys are beautiful. And without you, there would be no program be seeing you.